This is the Medical Beat on 97.1 FM Talk. I'm, I'm pretty sure we're on the air. Uh, welcome to the social distancing uh, edition of the Medical Beat 97.1 FM Talk. Uh, we're going to have a great show today. Uh, we've got uh, me, Dr. Steve Harvey. We've got Chad on the board. We have our very special guest who's bunkering in an undisclosed location, and we will introduce him in just a moment. And we also have uh, Dr. Art Taka as co-host. Uh, with uh, with the uh, social distancing and sheltering in place, uh, we've got uh, yeah we got the co-host uh, in the undisclosed location, and we have uh, Dr. Taka uh, joining us from home. So I think uh, I think we got us all here. Hey, so hey, you guys am say I, hi. Am... Dr. Taka, you there? Hello. All I'm right. There. I'm here. All right. We got Hold Dr. On. Taka and Dr. Bruckle. Can you say hi? Oh, we got Dr. Bruckle yet. All right. Hey, Chad is in the process of getting Dr. Bruckle on here. Oh, there we go. Is that, are you there, Dr. Bruckle? Okay. Let me introduce, let me introduce Dr. Bruckle while Chad's getting him uh, on Google Duo here. But uh, yeah, so, so Dr. Bruckle is the uh, founder and CEO of Total Access Urgent Care. So we're going to be talking about urgent care on the show today. Uh, we're going to be talking about, you know, what's the difference between urgent care and the emergency room? When should you go to urgent care and when should you Hello? go to an emergency room instead? Oh, I think that's Dr. Bruckle there. I'm doing the introduction there, Dr. Bruckle. Yeah. So, uh, hello. Hello. Are you there? Can you hear us, Dr. Bruckle? I think maybe. Uh, hello. He can hear us and we can hear him and he can't hear us. I can hear him. Okay. Oh, Ch- Chad! Chad's going to fix this, hopefully, while we're uh, while we're on the air here. But yeah, so Dr. Bruckle um, graduated medical school at the uh, Washington University School of Medicine, and, uh, did a residency in emergency room in ER medicine, and uh, also um, uh, served in the Navy before founding Total Access Urgent Care. All right. And uh, let's see. Do we have Dr. Bruckle on the line? No, not. Okay. Chad, Chad says we don't have him yet. So we're, as I mentioned, this is, uh, this is kind of new unexplored territory for us, uh, having everybody uh, on the air remotely. And uh, we had it all working oh so smoothly right before the show started. And now, right now, not so much, but I think we're just about to get Dr. Bruckle here. So while we're waiting for Dr. Bruckle uh, to get on the air, um, Dr. Taka, how have you been doing over there? Well, I, I feel like, uh, you know, all this technology that we're uh, utilizing now has really uh, uh, helped us see patients. But, uh, you know, we're doing a lot of the video conferencing and telehealth, but uh, it's not without uh, its hiccups. And I think we're seeing a lot of, uh, you know, uh, a lot of technology being 
pushed to its limits. And I know when I see patients on the video conferencing, I'm, I'm, you know, it's either unstable or it's because of a lot of the traffic. A lot of people are, you know, going to this telehealth thing. And I'd be interested in what uh, Dr. Brickles, uh, Brickles' experience is with, with his uh, urgent care um, network, if there's any, any uh, change in how he sees patients. Yeah, yeah, I wonder about that. Yeah, because I know I know urgent urgent care, of course, is very different uh, than the emergency room, but it's kind of kind of scary there in the in the era in the era of COVID. I guess you so you uh, you just recently got out of quarantine yourself. Oh yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm cleared. Uh, my hey. my uh, my wife actually who's a physician as well. I've been taking care of some. Uh, COVID uh, patients in the hospital. And so um, once they were identified, the uh, people taking the staff, uh, taking care of them had to be quarantined and tested eventually. And she was negative, thank God. And, and she's back to work and trying to take care of, uh, you know, the people who are, who are uh, struggling during this uh, pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh kind of kind of scary times that we've got that going on i think chad's still working on trying to get dr bruckle connected to us here okay yeah okay chad's working very yeah. intently there yeah so um challenging times these days <laughs> in many many ways yeah yes yeah yeah so one, one question i was going to ask dr bruckle when when all this is over when when you can when we can all go outside and go places without being afraid what's one of the first things you want to do? Oh, me or Dr. Bruckle? You, 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 you. Oh, my gosh. Um, get a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the things that, you know, we take for granted, just do it doing things. And, and my, my hair is out of control. I know my two sons here, they're just, yeah, we look like Q-tips. But, uh, um. Yeah, that's one of the very first things that I want to do. Right. Yeah, you're not going to try to cut your own hair. Oh no, 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 no! I don't think I can. No, no. Right. I've tried that before. Yeah. In college, it didn't work out too well. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think for me it might be Mexican food. Uh oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Are they are your favorite Mexican restaurants not uh, doing curbside pickup or 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 just going into the Mexican restaurants? Is yeah. experience. Yeah, just going into the Mexican restaurant. I actually have not checked to see if they're doing curbside. They they might actually be doing curbside. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I've done that a few times with some of the local restaurants here and they seem to be uh really uh you know adjusting to things. Um and if Oh, did we get him on? I don't think so. Yeah, not not yet. I heard, I think, I heard a click. Yeah. So do you think, Chad, can we go on commercial break a while while we're working on this? Okay. We're going to go on break. Chad's going to continue to get Dr. Bruckle on the air from Total Access Urgent Care. So hopefully we'll be talking to him soon, and we'll we'll be right back. We're back. All right. 97.1. This is The Medical Beat with me, Dr. Steve Harvey. We have our very special guest, Dr. Matt Bruckle. If you joined us for the first segment of the show, and I kind of hope you didn't join us for the first segment of the show because <laughs> things were not working out that well. Uh, we had a lot of trouble with the sound. and Because we're doing this, this is, a, this is a brand new frontier for us, getting people 
piped in to the radio station to get the show to work out. We think we got it worked out now, and uh, we're just about to find out. Dr. Bruckle, can you hear us? I can. Oh, thank goodness. Music to my ears. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. We're really glad to have you on the air. And, uh, boy, there's so much we want to ask you. I I think urgent care is something that people have really seen popping up a lot all over the country. I I know, I I think right now I have, what, like maybe four different urgent care centers uh, pop up within a couple miles of my house. And Can you... Can you tell us? Can you tell us about urgent care? Tell us about urgent care and how you got the idea to start total access urgent care. Tell us everything, Doctor Bruckle. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I think I, I think having technical issues in this uh, day of, of the pandemic, um, people are are more understanding than ever. So it's a it's a it's a good experience to have. So. Uh, urgent care is something that was born long, long time ago. Actually, it was popular back in the 80s, and it, and it didn't actually uh, go anywhere. Uh, it's been reborn now for the past 10 or 15 years. Uh, for me, uh, it holds a special place in my heart. So I'm, I'm a board-certified emergency medicine physician. I've worked for 20 years in the emergency departments all over the world, actually, on several continents. And um, and my experience as an ER doctor is that the medical care that patients receive in the ER mm-hmm. is really good, very, very good. The customer experience that they receive in the emergency department is very, very bad. Oh, epically bad. A lot like a five-hour wait or something like that? It's yeah. It's, a very it, long wait, it, yeah. It has all the components of, of, of a bad movie. So yeah. it, it costs too much. Uh-huh. It, it it takes too long. It's too complicated. And then um, we're not very nice to patients in the ER. Right. So so if we if we combine that, it leads to a very sour taste in most patients mouths at, at the end of an experience. And, and so nobody really likes going to the ER. But prior to total access urgent care, nobody had a choice. Hmm. If you had a, a unforeseen medical emergency or a situation that you needed care for, uh, your only option is go to the ER. And and so we're left with uh, kind of a bad set of choices in, in life, and, and total access urgent care is meant to fix that. So I basically decided that I was going to uh, start fresh and create uh, a emergency-like uh, situation and bring it to every neighborhood and create fast, friendly, and affordable health care um, in, in every community. And patients want that. They want they want an experience that mirrors the nice restaurants and the nice hotels that they go to where everyone is nice to them, courteous, yeah. uh, kind, and, and gives them exactly what they're looking for. It exceeds their expectations. Yeah, yeah, and, and quick and efficient also, yeah. Correct. Yes, yeah, yeah. So so how Hi, long— Dr. Brickle, it's, uh oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, oh, go, go ahead, Dr. Taka. This is Dr. Taka I, here. I think, yeah, I think you were going to ask the same question. You know, we hear about the— uh, the, the terrible wait times in the emergency rooms. What typically is the wait time uh, at uh, your urgent care? The goal wait time expect? is the goal wait time is zero. In fact, I, I oh. prefer I prefer having facilities that don't even have waiting rooms because only bad things happen in the waiting rooms. And um, and the the total uh, throughput time from door to door. So the patient enters the front door, gets checked in, registered 
treated, evaluated, uh, and discharged is less than 60 minutes, 80% of the time. Nice. Wow. For, for, the, for the whole process in and out. Correct. And and we, we include several value-added benefits that you typically don't get in the emergency department. So uh, the majority of our patients um, go home with uh, their splints that they need, their crutches that they need, and their prescription medicine in hand so they don't even have to go to the pharmacy or the medical supply store. That's very nice. Yeah, because I guess t- typically in an emergency room, they might throw a, throw a handwritten script at you and say, see you, good luck, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah correct. And then, and then you go then you go try the drive through at our favorite pharmacies. Right. And uh, I don't know if you've ever tried that, but uh, but it, it's like the uh, Gilligan's Island, like it's a three-hour tour. <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so, so I was wondering, when, when you started Total Access Urgent Care, did you, because invi- right now, what, there are about 20 or 30 of them in the St. Louis area? How many are there? Yeah, correct. There, there are 25 currently. Wow. And um, and based on, you know, based on the, the current pandemic and the current um, patient volumes, <laughs> we've actually been required to uh, temporarily close uh, seven or eight offices um, in in the area to kind of consolidate our staff and to mm. keep keep the operations uh, lean and efficient. And so currently we have uh, 18 offices that are open yeah. uh, geographically spaced uh, through, throughout the community. All right. So, so you're still sort of everywhere, kind of like Starbucks. No matter where you live, you got one close to you. That's yeah. the goal. I mean, patients, patients want uh, grocery stores, banks, um, hair salons, nail salons, and doctor's offices in their neighborhoods. Right. Yeah. 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 So, so did you, um, how, how did, how did you end up getting into the business? Did, did you envision total access becoming this big or did you start one place and it grew from there? How, how did all this happen? Yeah. Was my first office, uh, was opened in 2008 and uh, basically, I tried all of these kind of cool ideas in the emergency department, and I've worked in 15 different emergency departments, and I, and I failed miserably uh, because in the emergency department, nobody uh, on the medical side is really in charge. Right. Um, you know, the doctors, the, the doctors uh, want to be in charge, think they're in charge, but, it, you know, a group, managing a group of doctors is like herding cats. Right. Um, the nurses... Uh, believe they're in charge, and they're strong, emboldened, and uh, unified, and ready to um, take on any challenge. But but the but the group that really holds the power in the emergency departments are, are, is the administration. Yeah, and the administration um, in most hospitals um, do, doesn't exactly love the ER because um, it's not a, a revenue generating profit center for the hospital, and so getting anything changed. Uh, fundamentally in the hospital um, required, you know, four months of committees. And at the end of that, you know, you're kind of demoralized and um, didn't didn't actually get anything accomplished. So I decided that the only way it was going to work is to wipe the slate clean and have a team that's all dedicated to the same mission, um, pushing in the same direction for the same goals. So in 2008, I opened my first office. And in fact, I spent several years saying to myself that, I was only going to have one office, and I, I didn't need I didn't need to expand. And after about 
five, four or five years, um, in 2012, um, we decided that we had something that, that must be kind of shared with other communities. And it was a, uh, it was a challenge to, uh, it was a big challenge to start the second office because recreating this incredible dream, taking it to a second office, um, you, you have, you have skepticism or doubt as to whether it's possible. Can, can you, yeah. Can you read, read, repeat on the second office what you've done in the first office? And if you can, then then it can be repeated several times. But um, but but obviously through through our growth, we've had many challenges. We've we've risen above them and we've um, succeeded in conquering most of them. But you know, growing growing has its own challenges. And, and our whole our whole shtick is we did not want to grow just to grow itself. We wanted to make sure that we maintain quality and. Um, did, did exactly our mission um, in each office as we expand. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. Sounds uh, like you guys are uh, getting viral, but in a good way. In a good way, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 We, uh, we, so you, you mentioned a little bit about some of the adjustments you, you've, you've made um, in, in the uh, you know, pandemic. Do you foresee the use of telehealth? Um, in the in the uh, urgent care setting, yeah, I think I, I think in an ideal world, obviously this is not one, but in that ideal world, patients want to see their provider. They they want to have face to face contact with the uh, individual that that's taking care of them and providing their health. And and I, I also believe that there are challenges in in our field of medicine specifically. Um, to be able to take care of somebody over the phone, um, you can't really examine them very well. Um, you can't you can't see the things that you need to see very well, and certainly you can't perform any right. procedures. Right, like a like a physical, yeah. yeah. You know, I want to share my experience as a psychiatrist. You know, our our um, sessions are very social uh, meetings, and uh, I was afraid that uh, a lot of our clients and patients would not respond to it, but. You know, during this last few weeks, since we've been doing video and telephone um, sessions, mo- most people generally have responded to it. That's fantastic. I was quite, yeah. I was, I was quite surprised. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I do think it lends itself quite well to uh, to telehealth, and and you know, it's not nice to see that it's working in in sectors of medicine. Oh, we're going out on break. Here we go, and we'll be back in just a little bit. Be right back. We're back. All right. 97.1 FM Talk. This is the Medical Beat. We've got me, Dr. Steve Harvey. We have Dr. Art Taka as co-host. And we have uh, Dr. Matt Bruckle, uh, CEO and founder of Total Access Urgent Care. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Good, good. And it sounds like we got both people on the air. That's good. We had some technical glitches earlier. So, hey, I, I think... Uh, what I want to ask about next is the the thing on everybody's mind, obviously, is is COVID nineteen. So probably a lot of people out there are wondering um, if they have, you know, cough, fever, etc. Uh, they're worried they might have COVID nineteen. Uh, should they go to urgent care or should they do something else? The, Dr. Bruckle, can you tell us? Uh, uh, how how does that work with with COVID nineteen? 
Yeah, the big thing uh, with, when patients get sick is that they have many unknowns and they are somewhat uh, apprehensive and fearful. So, yeah. what, one of the one of the main things that Total Access Urgent Care does is we reassure patients. And and mm-hmm. so, if you ever get in a situation where you're sick and you don't know what's wrong and you don't know what to do and you don't know how to fix it and you don't know what what's needed. Um, you you can always come in and we and we will take care of you. Yeah. It's it's a it's a different time um, than than normal, and so you know there, there's obviously lots of recommendations and, and guides that that um, individual patients will be will be given. But in general, the recommendation is if you're if you're mildly sick or generally asymptomatic, you know, stay at home, self isolate, mm-hmm. uh, treat yourself conservatively. Um, but but if there's ever if there's ever a question you're ever in doubt you're you're having symptoms that are exceeding your tolerance or your comfort zone, yeah. uh, coming in and we're open uh, every single day of the year. Yeah, yeah. So if you're not if you're not sure, come get some help. Yeah. Yeah. Are are you Dr. able Brumble, to? Are you are you able to uh, test right now for uh, coronavirus? We can we can test we can test currently. Um, however. The current test uh, takes, you know, three to four days. It's a send-out test through one of the national laboratories. Uh, we, we are going to have access to test rapidly um, anytime, uh, sometime soon. We don't know exactly when. My guess is it'll be sometime within the next week. Uh, but Abbott, Abbott Labs has come out with a test that we already have the machines for and the equipment, the hardware, the infrastructure to perform the test, and we're being told that we are going to receive uh, the testing, which which will take, you know, 15 minutes at the bedside, uh, just like the flu test that we currently run, as opposed to having to send it out and having to wait several days to be tested. Because, um, yeah, I think I, I think immediate results uh, help on both sides of the coin. They help with the patient, they help with the treatment, and they also help with the uh, community awareness and the and the public safety issue. Oh, big time! Yeah, so. So that's going to be just uh, in a week or so that the more rapid tests will be available. Well, they they're currently available in the country, but but yeah. Abbott is sending the tests only to the uh, high prevalence areas currently, uh, oh. and so the the hot zones are getting you know all all, all the tests uh, in the first wave, and then I'm told the second wave um, we will be um, at the top of that list. So. The question is, you know, when will we get it? We, you know, they're not telling us what day we're going to receive it on, but but they are making a bunch of these tests, and and it's currently in the marketplace. Excellent. That'll I think that'll be a huge help for everybody once we can do that. Yeah. Well, so, so right right now, if someone are there are there more strict criteria now for someone to get a test, or does anyone who want one can get one, or how how does that work in general and and within total access urgent care? Well, there are very limited supplies uh, to test patients uh, yeah. currently. You know, the the national laboratories uh, allocate us specific number of, of tests uh, per per week, and so we do have a limited number of supplies. We we do have the supplies available to test, uh, but it's currently being reserved for patients who have uh, a valid reason or a good justification for the test. So if you're if you're asymptomatic, you have no symptoms, you have no fever, you have no cough, shortness of breath, um, it's it's pretty unlikely that you're going to be able to get a test. Yeah. 
um, if you if you qualify medically by having all those symptoms, um, it's very highly likely that you will get a test. Yeah. And I guess even more so if you've had whatever foreign travel or contact with a known positive or something like that. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, foreign foreign travel these days is, is uh, probably not as important because it's so endemic um, here in our communities. But but yeah, I mean, certainly known contact with a known positive uh, patient with uh, the required symptoms um, is a presumed positive and and somebody that does need to be tested. Yeah, yeah. And I'm hearing also just uh, speaking or talking with somebody who has uh, the coronavirus for uh, 20 minutes can can uh, you can transmit it that way as well. Just talking in the same room. Yeah, I think th- I think there's so many unknowns here, and you know it's it's a good it, it's a good general practice to uh, kind of presume that everyone has it and to keep keep your distance. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, hi- highly transmissible and, and something that we need to uh, pr- protect ourselves uh, by, by keeping, keeping distance. And, and, you know, if, if these things were known, um, it would it eliminate, eliminate a lot of the fear. The problem is it's, it's not known. And how are you going to get it? People are worried about getting it through mail and packages and through food and vegetables at the grocery store. And I mean, I think I think your chance of getting it that way is pretty small. Mm-hmm. Um, the most likely thing is being exposed to somebody who's uh, close contact and, and they cough in your direction. That that's that, that seems like a a fail fail win uh, a good way to get it. Yeah. 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 And they're also uh, recommending now um, everybody just use um, even even cloth masks, not necessarily medical grade masks, but uh, to protect um, you know to. To, uh, protect exposure for people who are walking around that may be asymptomatic. So um, there's going to be more people wearing this kind of these days, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think uh, I think as the numbers get higher and higher, uh, the more and more people will will self protect u- using homemade uh, scarves and and. Uh, various measures to cover their cover their mouth and nose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and I guess just with the with the COVID epidemic in general, I, I guess I, I don't know if if Dr. Bruckle sees it the same way, but I think uh, I think that's sort of uh, sort of makes uh, urgent care that much more valuable because you know hospitals hospitals tend to be you know more at least an emergency room in a hospital will tend to be a more chaotic crowded place whereas the urgent care is is much less so so uh people might people might prefer the urgent care center over an er even more so when it's appropriate yeah yeah no i think that's right uh you know going into a hospital going into an emergency department is risky uh for for a number of different reasons yeah yeah i think we're we're going to be on break in just a few minutes or so but I, i think before we do that one thing a lot of people are going to be curious about is, you know, when it when is it appropriate to go to an emergency room and when is it appropriate to go to urgent care instead? So can you kind of walk us through that? How, how do people know which one's more appropriate? Yeah, so if your heart has stopped or if you get shot or if you have a weird cancer, 
You should go straight to the emergency department. Got it. If you know you're having a heart attack, if you know you're having a stroke, you should go straight to your heart center or your stroke center. Um, Everything else, uh, the urgent care is, is probably the best place to start. And it's certainly going to be faster, more efficient, more enjoyable, and certainly more affordable. Yeah. That's that's good to know. That's good to know. All right. Hey, I guess we're just about ready for a break. We ready for a break, Chad? Chad, Chad says yes. Hey, so we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some other things. We'll be right back. This is Ion Health 97.1 FM Talk. All right, we're back. Hey, 97.1 FM Talk. This is the medical beat. You know, when we went out just a little while ago, I accidentally called it the Ion Health Show. That's that's what the show was about a month or so ago. So, but we are the medical beat, and we're back. And we're here with uh, Dr. Matt Bruckle from Total Access Urgent Care. And we're here with co-host Art Taka uh, from Insynergy Alcohol and Drug uh, Rehab Program. And uh, we have a a few minutes left, and we're going to talk about uh, the topic that's sort of on everybody's mind recently. And uh, that would be the COVID-19 pandemic. one thing that has caught the attention of physicians over the in the state is that uh, on March 23rd, March 23rd, the Missouri Medical State or the Missouri State Medical Association uh, wrote a strongly worded letter to the governor of Missouri uh, requesting an immediate statewide uh, shelter-in-place order. Uh, I think some of the thinking there was that the uh, a lot of the rural areas, a lot of the areas outside of St. Louis, were uh, uh, were not uh, were, were probably spreading the virus around unknowingly. Uh, the pandemic is always going to be a few steps worse than it looks at any particular moment, and and exponential growth is a scary thing. You know, with exponential growth, something can look small today and be very very bad uh, soon after that. Um, just yesterday, it was announced by Governor Parsons that we're going to have that uh, that stay at that uh, shelter-in-place order, and I, if I understand it correctly, I think that begins April sixth, like midnight of right when Monday is beginning. So, uh, is, is it yeah. uh, is it shelter-in-place or is it a stay at, stay at home? I think there's a there's a little difference, but I may be wrong. I I am I am not sure about that. I'm not sure. How about you, Matt? You have have you heard about that? Any any thoughts or opinions or anything? No, I mean there's so much information out there. It, it certainly can be a little overwhelming and and conflicting yeah. at, at times. And it no, we <clears throat> we're really good as a society at Monday morning quarterbacking all these decisions that are made on the fly. Yeah, um, it's it's a hard it's a hard place to be in charge and. It's very unforgiving, and uh, nobody really wants the job. So the people who are willing to step up to do it um, should be should be applauded, and uh, you know we should do what we need to do in order to get through this. Um, yeah. And it changes on a daily basis. I, I agree. I agree. I, I think anyone in politics right now, I think anything they decide, a lot of people are going to hate. <laughs> you know, you know, right? You right. Know, it's like yeah. are you reacting too soon, or you're reacting too late. Them. 
Exactly. And then everyone's going to second guess you. I, I, I totally agree with that. So, yeah. I, yeah. I think the idea is the same. It's basically, you know, uh, limit your exposure to other people. Um, I think I think there are some cities that are are in shelter in place, which is usually um, reserved for like catastrophes and things like that. So it's a more more of a kind of complete lockdown of the city versus, you know, stay stay at home um, where you kind of stay at home unless you have essential uh, activities. But I think the idea is don't go out, stay at home and, uh, you know, don't cough on your friends. <laughs> right. And, 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 and don't gather in large groups. And, and I think, yeah. I think not non-essential businesses, which, and, and the, the definition of essential, I think is debatable, but non-essential businesses are, are to be closed to help slow down the spread of the virus. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. You know, and I think so, since I'm, I'm originally from a small town in Missouri and I'm still in touch with them over Facebook and I, I, I do think there's a different mindset in rural Missouri than there is in St. Louis. I think they're, uh, um, they're probably, at least previously, they were less worried than we are in St. Louis, partly because it, you know, maybe tends to spread first in the bigger cities, or they think of it as like a New York problem and not a, not a rural Missouri problem. But it's gonna, it's gonna spread. It's gonna, it, it's without us doing the right things, it's gonna be everywhere. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think I I think that um, there's there's always two ways to to look at this, and and you know if we if we reacted this way with the seasonal flu, just think how our society would be uh, so so well prepared for this every every year. But yeah. um, you know this obviously is worse than the regular flu, and and uh, there's no there's no inherent immunity in the community, and so. Everyone's susceptible to it. There's no flu shots um, for the COVID-19. But once we get once we get some vaccinations out, which hopefully will be, you know, shorter sooner rather than later, um, yeah, I think I think that's that's when we're really going to get on top of this. I think so too. Yeah. When, once once we have that, I think we'll really be through this. But but that could be a you know one or one point five years from now. Well, I think in a normal cadence, um, it would be expected to be that long. But you know, that you you have to imagine that if if the red tape is removed and uh, the government is now uh, uh, doing everything it can to have the vaccine companies uh, produce them as quickly as possible, um, you know, I, I think you could probably shorten that by fifty percent or. Sixty percent, um, and and hopefully, hopefully that's being done. But you know, the the cadence as usual is not going to work anymore. For sure, right? Yeah, I I hope you're right. I hope we get that as soon as possible. Yeah, and the one 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 thing that came out recently, you know, just uh, just for a moment, if we if we consider if we consider a, a, a more scary scenario or more of a worst case scenario, I think what. What they're worried about in New York City, especially, is is the prospect of having uh, more people who need a ventilator than than we have ventilators, um, and having to have some kind of scary triage system in place. And it was just recently that there's been um, uh, more information about about how that is going to work. And one one particular system that came from. Uh, uh, I think the University of Pittsburgh or the medical school at the University of Pittsburgh is uh, is a triage system where basically every patient uh, gets a score 
and uh, and there, there there are two things that, that give you that score. One thing that one part of the score is how likely are you to uh, to survive this event, and the next part of the score is if you uh, if you do survive this event, then how much life do you have left? And you get a, a score from one to four in each one. They add up the score, and the person with the better score gets the ventilator. Yeah, I think stuff. that's a, that's that's somewhat of a draconian, um, you know, end of the rope kind of um, of thinking. And and yeah. I, I do think I do think that America uh, needs to take on this challenge of end of life discussions. And and I think most people want to avoid that, but maybe, maybe this is a good opportunity uh, to put put end of life uh, topic kind of front and center. I mean, the, Amen. There yeah. is a little little bit of a mindset that you're you should live forever right and and i kind of fundamentally disagree with that i think you know once i get to a certain age and you pass the the finish line every every lap that you make after that is a kind of a, a victory lap <laughs> right. my goal is, exactly my goal is not to live forever my goal is to to finish at the top amen to that hey we're going to be going out in just a moment before we go out uh just so we end up on a high note uh matt when all this is over, what's the one thing you look forward to doing? I want to celebrate my team and and have a have a big party and and uh, congratulate everyone for um, bearing through this and 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 getting it behind us. Oh, that sounds good. And I I want to eat Mexican food at a Mexican food restaurant. And Art wants to get a haircut. Big <laughs> time. <laughs> yeah, I need it. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. And I think we're just a little bit over time. But Dr. Bruckle, thank you so much for joining us. Total Access Urgent Care. Uh, you can look them up on the Internet. And uh, thank you for being here with us. And we're out. Thank you for having me. You bet. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.